I, I, I honestly, I, I'm, if you should know this because you've known me for a few years, I'm horrible with reference. Wait, wait, wait. The I Am The Knight from the Boobly Days? That thing? Yes, 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 yes. I thought it was some movie that I didn't remember. There, you know what they say. Don't ever let a good story go to waste, no matter how embarrassing it may be. I, I yeah. I'm with you on so that. So I was preparing for this podcast. I thought it would be a good idea to message some of your friends and family, you know, to ask them a few questions about you, see if they would like to share a few stories about you. So I decided to message both your f best friend and your girlfriend on Facebook. And I wrote them this really nice message, long, polite. And now, of course, I was very much aware of the fact that there was a real possibility they could think I'm a scammer or something. So what I did is I attached a screenshot of the conversation between you and me, where you very clearly said something like, yeah, I'd be down. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll come to the show. And then I just finished the message with something along the lines of, please don't tell Tristan I've tried to contact you because I want this to be a surprise. I wanted the answers to be as spontaneous as possible, which in hindsight must have sounded pretty darn suspicious. <laughs> anyway, uh, as, I, as I finished typing this, I have your stream open in the background and I just hear you go, oh, that's weird. Both my best friend and my girlfriend have just tried to call me at the same time. And I could tell you were feeling kind of uneasy with the whole thing. So at some point, you just left and you called them back, right? And the whole time I'm sitting here thinking, this can't be because of me, right? <laughs> nah, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. And the narrator goes, it was because of him. So <laughs> it turns out the screenshot was not enough proof that my intentions were honest. And yeah. so they did try to call you just to make sure you knew me. I wasn't trying to scam them or anything. But I'm, I'm kind of curious, has something like this actually happened to you in the past? I mean, someone contacting your family and friends trying to dig some dirt on you? Um, so, so first off, that was absolutely hilarious. Uh, <laughs> for those, you guys need to hear this part. I went to my Discord midstream for something else, saw his message, and he said in all caps, it was because of me, wasn't it? It called because of me, you know. Um, I, I Not really. Um, you know, I, I think what really alarmed them was my personal Facebook I rarely use. Um, and my personal Facebook is not tied to Age of Empires in most ways. I think uh, it's like you... Um, like just a few people who've been around a long time. I've known a long time that like it's a I added boomer that thing, and right? I cared about Facebook more. No offense. <laughs> yeah, uh, Facebook is a boomer thing by now. Right? Yeah, it's it's a boomer thing, bro. So <laughs> so um so I think that was what probably alarmed them. Um, but I have not really had issues. I I do think privacy is is a really hard thing to come by um on the internet, and so. I never, ever wanted to tie in my friend's names, um, my girlfriend's name, uh, anything like that to what I do. Um, and it's not that I believe that, that anyone who, who would watch my content has any negative um, goals, but there's, there always can be one. So I just kind of try and separate what I can. Uh, but no, nothing really you know, crazy. I, I mean, you've got like your, your scams via email and things like that, but that's not tied to... To friends and family that's just tied to the normal online bs that happens so yeah so i'm happy you just told me you don't want to involve your girlfriend's name because she's going to come up later and i just want to make sure i won't sure. name her name <laughs> yeah so, we yeah. call her lorena that's her that's her stream oh, right. name. There's I, a actually that, that, so. I actually knew yeah. that 
Uh, yeah, so before we embark on the journey, on the wild journey that has been your streaming career, just tell us something first about your first steps with the game. I mean, when did you play it for the first time? Who introduced you to the game? Um, so, so I have uh, an older brother. He's 11 years older than me. Um, and when age one and age two came out, I think he was uh, late high school or early college years. And um, so that's just like prime time, I'm sure, to to nerd out. Um, it was a different time back then. And so regardless of gaming, I, I always would copy what my older brother would do. I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan because my brother, when he was 10, went to Minnesota once and became a Vikings fan. And I wish he would have picked another team. <laughs> but but like I, I just always would copy my brother. Um, and so he was, we had a family PC Uh, but the family PC was was not really for for gaming. We played solitaire and battleship, but there was nothing crazy. Solitaire. And then my brother had his wow. own PC, um, and so I would just sit there and look over his shoulder, um, under the agreement that I would not talk because I would talk a lot and ask questions. <laughs> um, and that's pretty much how I started. Um, and then there was a period where after college he he came back home for a bit, and he was working. And I I remember he would leave. He would say, don't play on my computer. And then I would immediately play on his computer. Uh, I totally know out. that. I, I got yeah. an older brother too. Yeah, man. So, so that was pretty much it. And I, I actually didn't play a ton of Age of Empires on his computer. I recall watching him play more, but, but uh, I, I, I would play like, shoot, Serious Sam. I don't know if you've ever heard of that I've... shooter game. <laughs> I know that game very, very well. You know, yep. I, I've played it. I played it with Keller tens of times. Ah, yes, it was so fun. It's it was such a fun game, and I, I think actually, there's like six of them or something. Yeah, I actually recall his YouTube video with you on voice. Now that I think about it, because Keller's got some interesting bits. Such a good game. Um, so like Serious Sam, Worms, uh, and Stronghold actually, which I guess is the most similar to Age of Empires. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was those are kind of my first steps, but. There was never this, I, I, never once did I think I'm going to talk about this game. That, that was never a thing. Um, I, I just kind of was addicted to it and enjoyed playing it. And then I fell, fell away from the game as many people did because nobody played it, uh, especially in the States. Everyone was moving on to consoles like PlayStations and Xboxes and away from PC gaming. Um, and I didn't end up rediscovering the game until my brother-in-law gave me a uh, Steam gift card for my birthday. And I loaded it up on my birthday, and that's when Age of Empires 2 HD came out. 2013. So, um, it was the exact date, actually, when HD came out was my birthday. So um, that's that's kind of what made me think, whoa, I remember this. Um, I believe I was maybe watching some videos prior to that, but I did not think it was easily accessible. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, what about streaming? Do I still remember when was, when was your very first stream? I do remember... Uh, it's hard for me to say my first stream. Um, but I'll actually, I'll, I'm going to start before streaming because I didn't know how to stream, but there were a lot of programs that could you could click record, and that made sense to me. <laughs> um, so uh, so I, I did watch uh, mainly Zero Empires videos, and I knew that casting was a thing. Um, and, and so I just, to be completely honest, uh, there, were, there were points where like 90% of it's stuff I don't even understand, right? But then like there's 10% where I'm like, 
I would have said something different there. Like <laughs> I, I really wish he would have said it like this. That would have been funny, or that would have been good. And it's no no diss to the person I was watching. It's just kind of how my mind was working, um, and I needed distractions from frustrations in my life. So I, I just uh, went on HD and would literally uh, like there was no proper spectating system or anything on HD. But I would just message high level players, like high level HD players, uh, like 2K. I'm like, hey, can you email me these recorded games? And so I started using Fraps uh, to record games, and and that's what I did for for a bit. Um, I deleted. All, I, I really wish I wouldn't have deleted the really early stuff on my YouTube channel. <laughs> it was so goddamn embarrassing. But um, <laughs> anyway, so like it was mainly HD videos from players who were fairly unknown because HD didn't have the high level players. And um, it wasn't until I went to AOE zone once and just said, how is zero empires casting the Viper and all these names? I don't see them anywhere. And how do I stream? And then it was Jeanette at the time who was a, a person who was integral part of the whole streaming uh, age of empires. Streaming. I haven't heard in a long time. Jeanette. Yep, right. And he, he kind of, helped me out and uh that's that's where it all started <laughs> yeah so i i remember this conversation that i had with you this was many years ago and this was at a time where your channel was starting to grow but it was still at a level where it wouldn't make sense for you to go full time you must have okay. had something like 200 maybe 300 subscribers on twitch can you can you judge by the amount of, of subscribers when when could this have been 200 300 subs 20 i would say late 2016 okay let's say 2016 that, that's yeah. just a rough guesstimate yeah so we were talking and at some point i asked you what was your day job and i could immediately tell you were kind of reluctant to answer but at some point you did say something like yeah i work in retail <laughs> which obviously gave me the impression you hated your job and you were very mm -hmm. unhappy so back then, was streaming for you a form of escaping the reality of a job that you hated? Or was it something that you always wanted to try, regardless of how happy or unhappy you were with your professional life? I mean, I mean, honestly, it, it, it was the job sucked, but streaming and casting started before that job. And it was, it was more of an escape from just like massive levels of anxiety. Um, and, and like depression that I struggled with my whole life. And I needed something that, that gave me an outlet. Now, I didn't think, hmm, I need a constructive way to express myself. That will be healthy. I didn't think like that. Uh, really, it was just I was drawn to it. Um, and it ended up being something I could focus on. Um, but yeah, like um, the... I, I knew this would come up at some point during the podcast. And I really had to think because I could spend three Do hours. Do you remember this conversation? No, 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 no. Sorry. Okay. I mean, I'd like, in very general, surprised. my, my um, using streaming as an outlet, right? Um, and, and so it, it was, I had really tough early years. Um, and so from the age of like nine to 22, I, I, I was just struggling. I, I did not feel as though I would ever be okay, honestly. So, um, and, and so streaming kind of, it didn't, it didn't help the, the issues that I had necessarily, but it just gave me something fun to do. Um, and, and man, when I was doing retail, the only thing that I wanted to do that entire day 
was get home and do Age of Empires. So I would just completely neglect my duties. Not completely. That's that's not fair to that's not fair to say. But I would just neglect my duties somewhat to write out ideas, uh, think of strategies that I could search for for videos. Um, it, it was it was fun. So. Yeah, so was streaming always going to be about casting for you, or did you also plan on streaming your gameplay, or did you have no plan at all? Um, it was always going to be about casting. Um, there was a period where I would do both. I figured, if I'm going to play the game, why don't I stream it? It makes sense. There are some people out there who watch, but um, there was a period where... So, so first off, when I play... I. I want to feel like I played my best, win or lose. When I stream and play, I'm never playing my best. So there's, and I'm not like like some of the top guys where they cannot play their best and toy around and still win and masterpiece. I I can't do that shit. All right, like that is that is only what the top five and top ten can achieve. Um, and so there was a level of frustration after I would play and stream because I'm like, I'm better than this. Uh, and I, I didn't really feel satisfied. But um, more than anything, I think with my stream, I wanted people to know what they were going to get. If you show up to T90 stream and, and see a cast, and it's intriguing, you see he's online the next day, and you show up, and he's playing something else. That's not that's not going to be good, right? Consistency um, so is I, kind of important, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted people to know what they were going to get when they get... T90 content. So I, that's when I stopped. I mean, years ago, I, I pretty much stopped um, gameplay. Uh, and and even though I still play a lot, I just figure it's better for the direction I want my channel to go, to always cast. Do you get kind of nervous? I seem to notice that whenever you play on stream, you get kind of nervous. Am I right? It, it, it's weird. It's different. So I felt nerves during tournaments. Different. Um, it, it's not like that. But but there definitely is like I watch my I watch back. I'm like, why was I moving so fast? Why why did I not pick up on this simple thing? So I just I think it's like anything else. Like there was a period where I'd get very nervous to cast in front of large amounts of viewers, and then I got used to it. Um, so I I, I think there are some nerves there, but it's just not like not like high level tournament anxiety. You know, it's just uh, people are watching me type of <laughs> deal. So. Yeah. So did you have any references in the world of casting? I mean, someone who inspired you and not necessarily from the Age of Empires world. Um, so again, initially, I, I didn't really start due to a, a singular um, person. But I would say there's been many inspirations along the way. Um, I don't think that I would have started if it was not for Zero Empires, because he was he was pretty much the only way that I discovered that that the that it was happening. Um, who, who would have thought an old game like that would have someone talking about it? I just didn't know that was a thing. Um, so, so like singular inspiration, definitely him. Um, but as the, as time went on, there was, there's different things that you, you look for to inspire you and motivate you. Um, and I would say there's many, but the, the one thing that came to mind or one person that came to mind was actually dash. Um, so, so right. League of Legends. He used to be Riot Dash. He he does uh, League of Legends um, analysis and and does a fantastic job. And I think he's branched out to other things now as well. But uh, dude, dude, it was like so. I started to get these viewers, um, and that was was great. 
Um, and I think it was even viewers at the point where I was getting the most viewers, right? Viper wasn't streaming. He, he had he, he didn't stream again until like 2016, 2017, something like that. Um, and, and by all means, if you were to look at it, you'd be like, wow, this T90 guy is, he's the guy, you know? I didn't feel like the guy. I, I, I didn't feel like I was, was doing a great job. I just thought, wow, these people are idiots. Why are they watching me? Right. Um, and so one day I was streaming and Riot Dash said something in my chat. Now, I don't know anything about other esports now, and I definitely didn't then. And a couple of my viewers were like, is that the Riot Dash? And I was like, okay. And I didn't really say anything. But then I afterwards clicked his name, looked him up, and I was like, holy cow, like <laughs> this dude's like legit. Like I listen to him and I see him and I'm like, he is quality. Like that is yeah. a professional right there. Honestly, I, I heard him once casting with you. I don't remember what game this was. And I was just baffled. It was so good. I, I can't put my finger on it, yeah. but you could tell he is not a good Age of Empires player, but it, it was so good. The way he sort of captivated you, I, I really can't put my finger on it, but he was so good. Yeah. And, and so this was a, I, I felt like a lucky bum. And then he's he sends me a message afterwards and is like, dude, you're incredible and your insight and, and starts giving me compliments. And that was like, that was not an I made it moment, but that was a because wow I always really struggled giving myself credit. And that was where like a part of me was just like, I might actually be doing pretty good here, you know? And that was a big inspiration to have a name like that say good things about you meant a lot to me. Um, and I'm actually good friends with him now. You know, obviously we've casted since um i've been able to meet him in person so it's cool what it turned into nice so i remember you messaging me at least once many many years ago now this was at a time where uh, i was one of the only people casting and there were like three or four people casting and i remember you telling me that you you said you enjoyed my casting and that if i ever felt like i needed a co-caster you'd be glad glad to join me and I believe I answered you very politely, but I definitely remember thinking to myself, yeah, buddy, that's not going to happen. Now, I thought <laughs> that, not because I thought you weren't any good. I thought you were very good even back then. And I already uh -huh. enjoyed listening to sure. you. No kidding, no kidding, no kidding. But it just felt like we were too similar in style. We both filled sort of this role of play-by-play -play caster back then. We both were kind of terrible as players, though in your case, that has changed. Uh, so I was very picky when it came to accepting co-casters. And I have the feeling from some of the things that I heard you say that you are very picky too. So I guess what I want to know is what are the qualities that you appreciate in a co-caster? And I think this is also the perfect moment to bring Dave into the conversation. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, um, it's a multifaceted issue. Uh, as Viper would say, it's not that simple. Or as everyone <laughs> says, it depends. Um, so, you know, that has uh, been a situation I've encountered where there's a lot of people. And, and from from their perspective and my perspective, when I talk to you, you're someone who they there's someone who enjoys casting. They see someone who's who they look up to in some way or think is amazing at casting, and they want to be a part of it. You know. Um, there, there's probably a small percentage of, oh, if I do this with them, I'm going to get my name out there, my voice out there. There's definitely that. And You're a businessman, too. Who, for some people who've approached me, it's clearly more 
I want to give myself exposure, then I really like casting with you. You know, that's just how it goes. Um, but, you know, I, I feel as though... So uh, I'll use Dave and Nilly as an example. Um, Dave and Nilly are not just people who have casted with me for years. Um, they are people who are my friends. Um, and, and that goes a long way. And I feel the other thing about those two in particular um, is that the... Like, I try to I try and surround myself with people who will tell me if I'm doing something wrong so we can make it better. I don't want people who say, clap, 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 well done, T90, every time I do something. I don't want that. And so there have been moments where Neely and I have sat down prior to a cast and said, hey, I think we're going to address this like this. I think we need to do a better job on this. And I, I need to be able to say to someone, if I'm going to bring a high-level show, you need to tweak that. And I want them to say that back to me. Um, and so... I, that is uh, a level of comfort uh, and a level of um, precision, possibly, that you just don't get with anyone that's new, right? Um, the other thing is, I say I do five streams a week. I don't want to have co-casters with me all the time because viewers, I want to interact with my viewers. Um, I do like to do nor just normal cast streams, like events and whatnot, but if it was only me just casting games, I probably wouldn't do it for very long. I like to interact. And so I can't do that if I have a co-caster. Um, so f familiar... F I can never say this word. Familiar Familiarity? That one, thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's important, too, for viewers who come in. At this point, they're like, oh, that's that Dave guy. You know, I've, I've heard him before. Um, but, but I think it's just, uh, you know, with the amount of streams I do, I only do so many. Uh, it comes down to um, stepping out of my comfort zone and stepping out of what works and, and what makes viewers feel comfortable and what makes me feel comfortable is going to take a sizable leap. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've said this many times, both to you in private, but also in public. You can never tell who's the best caster. It's obviously personal preference. But f for my money, I think you're the best caster in terms of appealing to a broad audience. And so whenever I want to get someone hooked on Age of Empires, I always link them to your videos and to your Twitch channel. And the reason why I think this is the case is because your casts offer barely any barriers to entry for newcomers. You obviously have a deep passion for the game. You're not shy about it. You know a lot about the game. You're a native English speaker, which I believe is very important. And this is personal preference too. But I think you have a very nice cadence to your cast. You sound very musical, which makes it less boring to listen to you for long periods of time. Now, what I'm wondering is, are these qualities something that you have specifically practiced? Or were they there right from the start? I mean, I guess game knowledge is something you need to practice, obviously. Oh, this is, a, this is a great question. So, again, like everything else, things have changed. Um, and, and I have had to learn and adapt. Um, but, well, let's say the first year, T90. Obviously, the game knowledge was worse, but let's pretend the same game knowledge was the same. I load up my stream, I load up a game, have people listening. Villager gets killed. I say Villager gets killed. I, I talk about everything I see, right? What I don't talk about is all the different roads people can go down. And, and that's what's interesting about Age of Empires to me, but I never did that. And so um, I, 
I, I really like to enlighten people, right? Like, let's say there's someone in the dark who doesn't think a game is interesting, like Force Nothing, for example. <laughs> it's almost like a challenge for me. How can I get them interested in this right now? And it makes it less boring for me as well. If I just go off what's happening in a game, there are many games where it's boring, but there's so many possibilities in Age of Empires, and they're always there. It doesn't mean they'll happen, but they're always there. And so... um. That is something I had to learn, and that is what has me addicted to the game. So it is not, I'd like to be clear, it is not me doing it for viewers. It is doing it for myself and Pretty viewers, sure. because otherwise I'd just be sitting there uh, and just be like, okay, well, you know, like Harris 3TC behind his wall. Like, I, you know, it's like, what else do I talk about? So, um, but in terms of barrier of entry, that is something that is just such, it was such a tough thing for me to tackle when the channel started to get big. Um, when I had 500 viewers on a stream, which was a lot, right? Uh, when I first started, the biggest streams were getting like 150 on Vubly Official, maybe 250 on Vubly Official. Yeah, a I tournament think one land was yeah, like a tournament game would get maybe 300, 400. Maybe, yep, yep. And, and I think even like, yeah, so so anyways, with that, the specifics, they're not mattering too much. You don't want to water down the game for your dedicated audience. So I, it was around the point where I was about to go full-time and the viewership was spiking. But the people who had been watching, they understand the game. They play the game. These are people who, who know what's going on. If I explain the basics to someone who has followed the game for three years... They're, they might get tired of that. And so it's kind of an impossible task to appeal to both. Um, and so that's, that's essentially what I tried to learn to do. Um, because if you water down the game to a point where it only appeals to newcomers, those newcomers soon become people who are experienced and they move on past you. Um, and unfortunately... Uh, you, you know, it's, it's fairly easy in the Twitch scene if you've done it for five or six years. You could if a viewer's been watching you and active on your stream for a very long time, then they're not, and you go to other streams and they're active there, you can kind of see, okay, they're tired of me now. Um, so it's, it's not a perfect system, but I feel as though I do a fairly good job trying to combine both. Um, Absolutely. Trying to, to toe the line, uh, which is, is not easy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so I seem to remember, and many people pointed this out back then, that one of the first explosions in terms of growth that you've experienced happened roughly, roughly at the same time that Zero Empires announced he would leave the scene and embark in one of his many adventures. This was either 2015 or 2016, I believe. It was, it was, um, it was I almost remember the exact date. I think it was uh, late October of 2015. All right. So it feels kind of weird to even have to explain who Zero Empires is. But if your first contact with Age of Empires 2 was the DE version, you'd be forgiven for not knowing who he is. So Zero Empires was one of the biggest promoters of this game long before we had T90 and Spirit of the Law. His YouTube channel was by far the largest Age of Empires 2 related channel. And he was just very influential as a caster, content creator, tournament organizer, and many other things. So what people said back then is that him leaving the scene created this vacuum in terms of Age of Empires 2 content, which in turn caused some of his fans to then migrate to your channel. Would you agree with this? 
I think that it benefited me, but not more than there would have been benefit if he would have stayed. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, so there's no way 100% of his audience, his diehard audience, came to watch my channel or, or other channels. There is, there is a, it's an absolute fact that you think it's a too different? percentage of them just left. Right? So if, if Zero Empire stays and continues to do his thing with his audience, and then I come in and start to do my thing, I'm sure the, the, uh, there's going to be a trickle of people who might find me. It's not going to be as extreme, possibly. But ultimately, I think I would have been better off and the scene would have been better off if, the, if you would have been there. Um, but there definitely was, I remember a few comments on videos. This is back when I had email notifications for any comment that would come up on a video, <laughs> right? That's how early it was. Imagine and there was definitely that a now. few like, Zero Empires just quit and I needed somebody. And thank God I found this video. So um, initially it was, it, it was big for me. He also did, uh, he did host me, one of my very first streams. Like a couple weeks in, I'm streaming for three viewers. Uh, and I remember exactly who those three viewers were, by the way. <laughs> uh, it was Dave, uh, Smarthy, and Hardy. Uh, Smarthy, longtime friend and mod. Dave, of course, everyone knows Dave. Uh, and then Hardy actually does a lot of editing for me now, which is crazy. Is he, but, uh, is he the one who made this very funny video with the uh, Viper and the uh, Burgundians? Was yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Hardy, Hardy made that and like the weird remix with me singing Huns and <laughs> all the uh, Hidden Cup Mimi confirmed videos. Hardy and I work on together. Mm -hmm. So it's just crazy to think that that it started then. But but anyways, I, I got this uh this host. It's like 120 viewers from Zero Empires. And of course I knew who Zero Empires was. Mm. And I'm freaking out. Internet craps out on me. <laughs> oh, no. I was so upset. I was so upset. <laughs> well, and then it was around a month later is when he he had this big, I think the video is down now, but this big dramatic video. I think he was upset with with the state of the game and Microsoft treating HD as a cash cash grab, which it was, um, and had spent so much of his his life on the game that he needed to break at that time. So, um, but yeah, to circle back to your question, there was initial benefit, but I think it would have been better for Age of Empires if he stayed. Mm -hmm. So Zero Empires was someone who was very much aware of the fact that there are or there were big differences in terms of what the YouTube audience likes to see and what the Twitch audience likes to see. Um, High-level competitive matches seem to do better on Twitch, while more casual games tended to do better on YouTube. I mean, Zero Empire's most popular video to this day is the now famous I Have No Words for This Game, which right now has almost 2 million views Crazy. on YouTube and was probably one of the first videos to crack the 1 million. Yeah. Do you think this is still true today? The more do more casual videos tend to do better on on YouTube? Um, definitely. I'm trying to think of how to to explain my thought process here. Um, so, okay, so I treat YouTube and Twitch in terms of like compared to a friendship, right? Um, so I have friends who I hang out with somewhat regularly, who I. I love and I happen to spend more time with them. But I also have friends who I love the same, uh, who I don't see as frequently, right? But they know if anything's going wrong, if they ever need me, I'm there, okay? That second friend is YouTube. And that is very important to have. Um, the, 
the consistent content where you know you're going to get a, a, an interesting strategic game, uh, a good breakdown, that is, is so much more engaging than watching someone else's uh, or watching a clip from a stream, right? Um, and so I think it's really important. And if it wasn't for my YouTube channel, like obviously Zero Empires uh, leaving helped uh, a little bit with the stream. But if it wasn't for my YouTube channel gaining momentum, I wouldn't have even become a popular streamer. And I don't even know if, if Age of Empires would have, have reboomed to the level it did. Um, so YouTube's just massive. And it's still, I don't have numbers to back it up, but even though Twitch is big, YouTube is just so massive. Much bigger. Yeah. It, it's it so is much ridiculous. Bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So is that something that you keep in mind when, when deciding what kind of content you want to create? Or do we just end up doing whatever? whatever you enjoy doing the most um I, I really do try unfortunately consistency is tough uh because sometimes i can't find games I'm, i find interesting sometimes i'm i'm overwhelmed with everything else so i can't keep the structure i'd like but it is definitely something i've kept in mind for a long long time um the what what initially made me start to do it was people coming into my Twitch stream saying they came in from a YouTube from account. YouTube, um, and so the initial motives were viewership engagement um, and, and like self advertising my Twitch channel, basically. Uh, and I don't know the exact dates. I want to say twenty late twenty sixteen is when I started to try and do YouTube only stuff. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. It was not fun for me. It was very forced. Um, but actually, as the streams began to pick up over the years, um, streams are, are um, I, I love, but I love the YouTube-only content differently. Um, so I genuinely enjoy being able to sit down with no distractions and be like, guys, you got to see this and be able to talk about it without having to, not that I couldn't ignore my viewers on Twitch, but without having to have that interaction aspect, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so... Yes, it, it's important, and I'm really happy that I actually enjoy that part. Because if I didn't enjoy that part five years in, six years in now, actually, uh, I think I would struggle to be able to do it. Yeah, so another thing that has obviously immensely contributed to the growth of your brand was the Hidden Cup series. Mm -hmm. The very first Hidden Cup was held in 2018, and we've now had four of them in total, each time with bigger audiences and bigger prize pools. Now, Tristan, 2018 was still well within the era of Viper's total domination over the competitive scene, right? Mm -hmm. And in fact, he was so dominant that some people liked to talk about the so-called Viper effect. That, yeah. is, that is, every time people face him, they would be so nervous that they would invariably end up playing much worse than they actually could. And this is something that Mem, for example, has pointed out many, many times. Was Hidden Cup created with the intent of testing this theory? I mean, if people don't know they are facing the Viper, then maybe they would actually perform to the, to the best of their abilities and maybe even beat them? I can't say 100%, but I can tell you that Dave and I were pretty way too certain than we should have been that there would be some cracks in the armor for Viper during a first Hidden Cup. Um, it's, it's really... The most embarrassing thing about Hidden Cups is going back and listening to what you said. Whether it's it's trying to guess who the players are, 
or just bold statements like we think Viper's going to struggle and someone's going to yeah all baloney dude um, <laughs> <laughs> like and that's that casting in general where you say things and you look back I guess it's like if you look back on old social media posts from when you were younger you're like what was I thinking <laughs> that's me except it's in front of lots of people um so so the big one was uh MBL back then right uh MBL was getting uh he still has the ability to make the games messy, but he was getting good results against Viper. Uh, but he would clearly have a massive brain fart in a series. If it was a Civ draft, he'd just pick some dumb civilization that didn't make sense. He would go for something he didn't need to go for, and it clearly came back to mental. Um, so I, it's funny, actually. MBL and Viper ended up being in the finals of Hidden Cup 1, and MBL then had a massive brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I but, mean, at that point, they were pretty sure I they were so. facing each yeah. other, right? Yeah, but but yeah, to answer your question, there was definitely that that idea. But, but also, Hidden Cup 1 was not... It wasn't what Hidden Cup is today. It was mm -hmm. not this big event that was supposed yeah. to shock the world. It was... <laughs> I, I messaged Robo. I was like, what do you think of this idea? Can we make it happen? And he's like, yes. Um, and, and we did it. And and then we realized the potential. Um, and it wasn't just, okay, viewers like this. It always has to be, did players give good feedback? Did the viewers give good feedback? And did I and others enjoy it? And it was just a perfect mix. Mm -hmm. Now, the most notable feature of Hidden Cup is, well, the fact that the identities are hidden. <laughs> and that means players don't know who they are facing most of the time. They cannot prepare their strategies with a specific opponent in mind. They cannot review any recorded games. And sometimes they're even forced to play in servers that are objectively worse for both of them. And this this is only for Hidden Cup 4, probably. So would you agree these are things that make Hidden Cup somewhat a less competitive tournament than maybe some other events of similar stature. In regards to the servers, um, we, so so first off, I had no say, right? But I mm, have yeah. seen the the server um, breakdown of servers that were used. Robo had it in a dock, and I actually I don't recall if I saw it all for Hidden Cup Four, to be honest. So in regards to Hidden Cup Four, maybe there was a huge discrepancy in one instance. But um, servers are are going to have like a 30 to, to 75, 80 ping discrepancy in any tournament. Um, if I'm playing you in Europe, we either go uh, for European server or East US, and there's a difference. Um, but there would never an instance where like there would be a massive ping discrepancy forced. Uh, so there was not... Um, I just wanted to clarify that because it, it was... We're not putting one person at an extreme disadvantage beyond what would happen in another tournament. Um, I suppose the fairest thing that you could do, and it was actually proposed by a player prior, like two weeks before the tournament, was that you alternate the servers. So if your best server is, is Europe and my best server is East US, game one's East US and game two is Europe. But uh, for me, I was like... player's name start with a D and finishes with Aung and has an O and G in the middle? It's it's a, it's a the Viper. The Viper oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, but like, if that was the tournament standard at that point, I would have considered it. And if it was brought up ahead of time, it would have been something we could we could go through. Um, but that's not how other tournaments are handling things right now. And I felt that, again, I, I instruct Robo, 
like obviously don't force a big ping discrepancy. So um, again, I cannot talk specifically regarding Hidden Cup 4 service because I don't remember, but I saw the list for East US. And if anything, what would happen is like, let's say you have two European players. Uh, let's say you get 40 ping to that server, both of you. There were instances where we give you East US, both the European players play on 90 ping or 100 ping, uh, which is very, very common in, in many games with how it works, right? So um, that said, in regards to other aspects of Hidden Cup, there's definitely, um, it depends what you see is, is competitive, but just the fact that it's a random seeding is, is definitely not tournament-like, right? So in, in that regard, it definitely, uh, especially for the, what's the word to say, the, um, the real competitive folks, like that is just not as competitive as other tournaments. That's just how it goes. Um, Does it like, bother you? Um, what was that? Does it bother you? I think it would bother me if the results were... It bothers me because of Nikov. <laughs> <laughs> it bothers me because of Nikov, because poor Nikov has had such a bad run-in. He messaged me after Hidden Cup 4 and said... Because before Hidden Cup 4, he said, if you give me Viper again, of course it's random, I will fly to Florida and I will kick your ass. And then he, he got, got leery right? first round. He got leery, right. <laughs> um, but no, it, it, it doesn't really bother me. I, I mean, I listen, the Hidden Cup has so many fun elements to it. That's just kind of how it is. But the, um, the results have been really interesting in Hidden Cup because I, it's just been such a variety of different players getting through. And so I think if it, was, if it has led to more unlucky situations and more unfair situations or, or really imbalanced brackets a lot, then it would bother me more. But we haven't had that too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I want to shift the focus away from Age of Empires 2 for a little bit. Okay. Um, I believe you've lived most of your life in Pennsylvania. Is that right? Yeah, and now yes. you live in Florida. And according to my Google search, from Pennsylvania to Florida, that's roughly a six-hour flight. Now, I know that in America, everything is bigger, but at least for European standards, that's a pretty long way far from home. Why Florida? Um, so Pennsylvania has a, um, really good mix of seasons. Uh, so if you like that, PA is a good spot to be in. It's, uh, you've got fall, beautiful. You love your snow and ice and clouds. You have, you have your winter, um, all the way through the other seasons. And, um, I have, I, as I previously mentioned in this podcast, um, still do, but for much of my life had many issues with anxiety, depression. And so, Seasonal depression was a big, big thing for me. Um, dark, dark times. That it, it's it, you can't go outside, you can't do anything, and it really would affect me to the point where, from November to March, I felt like it was a waste of four months. I, I felt like I I did not enjoy those four months. I felt like I was not happy, and in many cases, it it led me to spiral it, into darker times. And so um, I started working from home uh, with this whole streaming thing, uh, closing it on four years. And, and there was a point where I, it just kind of dawned on me, like, why? You know, um, why, why am I still putting myself through this? Um, I, there are so many people who would love to try and move, but they have to figure out the job situation. 
they have to transfer within their company or, or take a risk and go to a new company. You, you sit at your desk, you know, you should do something. Um, and it took me some time to work up the courage. I spent like um, a year uh, taking some small trips here or there. So I went to North Carolina, which is uh, like two states above Florida. No, three states above Florida. So it's kind of like in the middle of mm -hmm. Pennsylvania and Florida. Um, I went to Georgia and I just wanted to kind of get a feel for for the areas um, with the intention of just living in a warmer climate. And ultimately, what was really tough for me was I had too many options, Nelson. Mm -hmm. Like, If you're going to transfer within a company and there's five different locations, you, you pick which one's best and you don't have any other say in the matter. Um, I was moving somewhere where I didn't really know anybody. Uh, and I'm just like, what? factors determine where I go right and then um you know the ended up meeting a girl and uh taking a few trips and then just saying screw it and, and that's kind of why I ended that's up in it. Florida but um who knows where I would I would be in some southern state but uh not sure if I would have ended up in Florida if it wasn't for my girlfriend would California have been an option I mean in the south you got pretty nice weather too yeah um so Funny, funnily enough, the time zone would suck for an Age of Empires streamer in California. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was something that I considered because I cannot wake up early. And it's pretty common where I'll have to wake up at 8.30 or, or 8 a.m. to stream at 9 for events. And that would be a three-hour difference if I was in California. As much as I would like to convince myself that I'm going to change my schedule when I'm over there, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that was a factor. California also has extremely high state income tax. Um, I, I think it's the highest in the U.S. And one of the other benefits of Florida is that there's zero percent state income tax, right? I think oh, there's zero. Like three okay. states. Yeah. Um, which, as someone who's self-employed and when taxes are an absolute mess in this country, uh, it, that also was a bonus too. Um, but but ultimately, it's I wanted to stay on the East Coast. I wanted to stay. I know six-hour flight sounds like a lot. Um, yeah, but I wanted to lot. stay closer to family, mm -hmm. uh, which is what the East Coast offers. So, right. So, speaking of money, would you like to share the story of your TwitchCon in San Diego two years ago? <laughs> yeah. Okay. My girlfriend told you this. Yeah. She was like, "What stories? What stories <laughs> should I tell him?" She was honestly like, "I don't want to tell him the story because I can't tell it good. You should tell it." Um, well, go ahead. Yeah, so so to be clear here, I didn't spend I didn't spend any money for the, what I'm about to tell, but this is a fun story I think viewers will enjoy, and it might tie into some further questions you might have about streaming and whatnot. But I'll let you do your your thing. So no, no, um, just just you do you. Yeah. So uh, are you familiar with uh, with with Matt from Mixer? That's so um, yeah, Matt, who is, is such a nice guy, uh, someone who became known to the Age of Empires scene. By splashing lots of cash on streamers, that's basically it, uh, in very trolly ways too. It, it wasn't like uh, you know the. I mean, he did, but it wasn't like, hey, I appreciate your content and happened to win the lottery. Here's a lot of money. It was donations, um, and you know when that happens, you tend to wonder who is this person, and this person, according to Twitter, was a an individual who was the co-founder of Mixer. Uh, which was a streaming platform that was purchased by Microsoft uh, for, I don't think the amount was disclosed, but it's got to be in the tens of millions, right? 
Um, and Mixer's now dead. <laughs> <laughs> Mixer's now dead. Um, but but anywho, so that was how I was introduced to Matt. Honestly, it was just someone donated a lot of money. Of course, when that happens, like it's extremely awkward. But you're extremely grateful, and you you send some messages and say thank you. Um, and so there was a period where Matt was doing that a lot, and then he he kind of stopped. But we would play some games together and and interact from time to time. And um, it's it's such a weird thing to say that you become friends with someone because they were donating, but that's literally the only reason I started talking to him in the first place, the only reason I knew who he was. Um, so, you know, uh, two years passed, I think, a year and a half passed. I've known him for a while. Um, and I think I told him I was going to TwitchCon in 2018. Um, and so my uh, girlfriend and I, was it 2018? It was. He said it was two years ago. No, 2019, excuse me. Yeah. So, um... So we went out to TwitchCon, and TwitchCon's like a Comic Con or or some every other con where you've got uh, whatever names in front. Is there's a lot of that stuff going on, and uh, the whole idea for us was to just go out, um, experience TwitchCon, but also experience San Diego because it's a beautiful place. Um, and so we we went there, and while we were oh yeah nice <laughs> were you were you in San Diego before? Or yeah, is it just nice I, I got family there. Oh, okay, cool. Well, um. One of the things my girlfriend and I did was we, we got an Airbnb and we found uh, an experience while we were out there. And so I don't know if people are familiar with that, but within the app, uh, you, can, you can buy experiences. And in this case, it was 55 bucks a person to go out on a tiny sailboat with a free bottle of wine a person. <laughs> and we're like, this is going to be great, you know? Um, and and it was that's what we did, and we went out, and it was three couples. Uh, one couple was enjoying the fact that weed was legal in California, and they were completely stoned, <laughs> <laughs> and they did not contribute anything to the trip whatsoever. Um, the other couple was a couple around our age who were on their honeymoon from um, well, it's not important where they're from, but um, they the. Uh, uh, the guy loved CSGO and was familiar with Twitch. Um, so we bonded over that. Uh, my girlfriend bonded with, with his wife. And, and we were like, how long are you here? And they're like, we're here for another three days. I'm like, do you have plans? And they said, no. I said, hey, we have this little, um, there's this little like boat that could take you around to the shoreline at various restaurants. We're like, do you want to just go do that with us later tonight? And they were like, sure. So just met this random couple. It was real spontaneous and fun. I'm mm -hmm. not a spontaneous person at all. <laughs> um, but maybe the alcohol helps. I don't know. But uh, so we were on the boat with them for a couple hours. And we're getting to know them. And we stop at this restaurant. And then we're talking about traveling. And um, I think it's I'm trying to think on how to say it. Anyway, so we're talking about traveling. And I'm like, what are your top three places you'd want to go? And the uh, the guy is like, Japan, Japan, and Japan. He's mm -hmm. like, I'm obsessed with the idea of going to Japan and experiencing things there, yada, yada, yada. And so just so happens that the one of my friends had been to Japan like four or five times in the last three years, had, had learned fluent Japanese, uh, was the wow. type of person who just absolutely became obsessed with any task that he had. His friend was Matt from Mixer. Mm -hmm. so when matt like 
Matt astounds me because if I had got however much money he did when he was like 18, is literally out of his parents' basement type of a story. I would not learn Japanese and fly to Japan five times. I would order takeout and play video games. <laughs> I, uh, he, he's just the type of mind that's constantly moving. And so I start pulling up Matt's Instagram and talking about Matt and his travels. Granted, I haven't really spoken to Matt at this point, you know, when this happened for about like a couple months, right? Mm -hmm. As I'm on Matt's photos of Japan, I get a phone call and it's Matt. And I'm like, this is spooky because we normally only would like message over Discord. I would never get a phone call from Matt. So he like, had no really clue weird. you were in San Diego. And yeah, so he he gives he I pick up the phone. He goes, "Hey, you're at TwitchCon, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, uh, "Do you want to come to a party?" And I was like, "Okay, yeah. but you're in Seattle." And he's like, "He's like, no, I'm actually like 20 minutes away from where you're at." So why don't you come join? And that's all I said. And at this point, this is one of my favorite parts about the story, right? <laughs> Imagine how important that couple thought I was. <laughs> like, they they think at that point, they think I'm so much more popular than I really am. I just random guy I'm talking about gives me a call to go to a party in San Diego. Like what in the world, right? Um, are you there, by the way? Yeah, I kind of lost you for, for a little bit there. Go on. Okay. Yeah, so so um, so yeah, that I, I'm I'm like, wow, these guys think I'm much more important than I really am. What's this gonna be? You know, Matt's a nerd. I'm a nerd. Party, like, what are we gonna be playing? Uh, board games with with white claws or something? I, I didn't know what to expect. Uber takes us to the top of uh, top of the hills. We're passing gigantic mansions. We arrive to a mansion that is at the top of a hill. Um, and there's security outside, and there's a Lamborghini parked in the driveway. Oh, cart. And I'm just like, what in the world? Um, eventually, we get security to let us in. Uh, the doors that open up, it's like uh, two stories tall. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And uh, there's some guy who beat Bobby Flay in some cooking show, cooking food for everybody. And we had just <laughs> eaten, but we were like, we have to eat. You know, we have to experience this. Um, and what it was, come to find out later, was was Matt and his co-founder were leaving Mixer. Um, so when they when they sold it, they leveraged it for positions there. So they're also a part of the project. They decided to leave Mixer and leave Microsoft. And so they kind of had invited the um, the contacts, I suppose, or anyone who had really helped them along their way in their journey, uh, which which was pretty cool. But for people envisioning this right now, that you're thinking mansion and Lamborghini, you're thinking high class. It's a bunch of YouTubers and <laughs> nerds in this place. It was so weird. Like shorts and t-shirts. Uh, no, it, it just it just did not felt like we belonged there at all. Um, and it was quite it was quite a cool experience. You know, we uh, got to see the whole place and and just hang out there for a couple hours, and nothing more happened than that. You know, we ended up going. Uh, elsewhere but like holy yeah, cow what man. an amazing experience it was yeah <laughs> yeah and i i never really I, I never really wanted to tell that on stream because well there you go yeah yeah you never really i don't want to tell on stream it's not that people wouldn't be happy for me but there's like 
you go too far with talking about a happy thing that's happened to you, and eventually people are just yeah, like, come I on, dude, this is too much. And I don't know. It's a little unbecoming. Uh, not that that was in any way bragging, but uh, it, it was a crazy story. And so Matt and I, you know, still in touch to this day. I don't think mm -hmm. he's going to be having any more big parties like that. But uh, Does he still watch Age of Empires so cool. from time to time? Yeah, occasionally. He tried to get me to go over to uh, Hearthstone. I think he got really addicted to that for a time. <laughs> um, he, uh, he actually um, also learned how to fly planes and now is a pilot. And he uh, is flying across the country right now, I think, because he was actually in Florida with his family. It's like, nice. this, this dude's like 22 now and created this thing in his parents' basement, got a bunch of money, went to Japan a bunch of times, learned Japanese, now learned to fly. Like, again, I admire his, uh, his uh, ability to learn because I would mm -hmm. just not have the personal drive to do that. <laughs> um, all right, Tristan. As a as an European, this is uh, this is one I'm really curious about. And one way or another, America is always on the news. But in the last couple of years, you guys have been even more on the news, and the reason is obvious: Trump. Yeah. Now I'm aware how delicate of a subject this is, especially <laughs> for someone with a large audience such as yourself. But I want to approach this from a slightly different angle. Now this is obviously purely anecdotal. But whenever I went out with friends and the subject of Trump would come up, I always have the feeling there was a broad consensus that everyone held a rather unfavorable view of him. So speaking about Trump was never a contentious issue or something, whether I was mm -hmm. with friends or even with friends of friends. But you live in a country where 74 million people have voted for him. So it's very reasonable to assume that if you were in a large group of people, opinions about Trump would differ. So did people actually have no problem talking about Trump or was it something that everyone avoided talking about as much as possible because they know it could lead to nasty discussions? Good question. Um, I think it depends on the type of people you surround yourself with. It depends on how many people you surround yourself with, uh, which for me is not too many. Um, I think that if, with most, most of the people I would encounter would either not discuss politics or would would at the very least recognize that Trump was was a lunatic in some ways, right? Um, my issue with with politics, and I'm not hugely political, is that at least with the way it works in the states, it, it's very um, and people in general are very all or nothing, and very it becomes very divisive. Like um, like if you say something I don't agree with right now, I can't throw out everything else that you say. I might agree with that too. And this is not to say I largely agreed with Trump. My, my point is that um, with, with political stuff, it's not all or nothing. Um, and so for me, the, the only thing that, that I could 100% agree on, because I don't even know all the policies and whatnot, is that he was just not acting like a good person, you know? Um, and that was clear as day, right? So as far as uh, was there tension, not really. I do think, though, that in this country, and at least in my uh, upbringing, that we were pretty much taught, or maybe self-taught, to not discuss politics. Mm -hmm. um, it's a bit like the uh, don't discuss how much money you make with your coworkers, you know, like, like shit like that. And Just so good manners. I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't run into some craziness. Now, granted, I live in Florida, so uh, 
you know, there were plenty of signs and, and things like that in this state. But I did not encounter too much um, division, which, which was good. I'm sure like if I was maybe a more social person uh, outside of streaming that I, I might encounter something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Tristan, uh, in my last episode with Viper, we have this segment where we addressed some of the controversies surrounding him. And uh, I'd like to do the same with you, if you don't mind. Um, we'll start with one of the most popular series on your stream, the Low Elo Legends series. <laughs> and what happens here is that uh, you basically look for two very low-rated players who happened to be playing ladder games at the time, and you cast their games. And the criticism, uh, criticism here is that some people claim you're basically just making fun of them, making fun of new players and mocking them. Uh, is that fair criticism? I think that... It's unfair criticism as a whole, but when you cast hundreds of, of low elo games, uh, there, there might be instances where I possibly go too far. Um, it, it depends on the person, right? Like, like if I make a mistake, I want my friends to give me shit for it. But if one of my friends makes a mistake, I know he's not the type of person where I should give him shit for it to the same level that I would receive it, right? That's what's tough. Um, but the idea of low elo legends is to make Age of Empires more relatable. Um, it's a very difficult game. Uh, and all people saw for so many years was high level play. Wow, they make that game look so easy. And then they go in there and they try and they, they can't quick wall. Or they, they have their TC idle for five minutes as, as they kill five villagers and it doesn't do anything. <laughs> um, just things like that, right? So the idea is to kind of like laugh and jest but never to poke and make fun, right? Um, but again, I, I cannot say that I've always been perfect with that. I think that there are instances where something happens that's so extreme that maybe I, I spend less time being constructive and more time having fun and laughing. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the position I come from is always to, to encourage other people to fail, encourage other people to step up and play. Um, seeing people make mistakes that, that you make or seeing people make more mistakes than you think you ever would, that encourages people to, to step out of their comfort zone and play. So um, I, I suppose fair. There, I'm, I'm sure there's been instances where it's been too much, but I hope that uh, if I ever offend someone with that or, or they think I go over the line, they listen to the whole video because I, I don't think there's ever been an entire game where the thought process is to just at and make fun, right? Right. Uh, so the other thing people have criticized you for is for not being critical enough of Microsoft whenever you disagree with them. Now, <laughs> obviously, there's no way of objectively saying how much criticism is enough criticism. Yeah. But I believe the broader point here makes for an interesting question, actually, which is considering that Microsoft sponsors some of your events, have you ever held back on your criticism of Microsoft for fear of losing them, losing their support? Um, yeah, good questions. I, when people say I don't complain about Microsoft enough, I have to laugh because I feel like I do it all the time and I feel like I might do it too much. But um, the, that, that is a really important thing to talk about. The fact that um, if there's issues with the game, people might not want to complain about it in fear of not getting support from Microsoft anymore. Uh, and very early on, I um, had a conversation with, 
with I don't know, like Microsoft. Okay, <laughs> I very early on I had a conversation with Microsoft. I, it's not fair for me to like name drop or anything. Um, and I, I basically asked them the situation. I was like, "Listen, like, um, is there? Can I speak my mind at all times if I do a Microsoft event? If an issue happens in the game, can I call it out in a Microsoft event?" Um, and the response I got, it was not official, right? There was no dotted line to sign on, was essentially, we're giving this money to the game and this event, you be you, right? They never wanted me, and this is such an important thing. Microsoft could be criticized for so much, but the fact that they've given all this money to the game and they haven't tried to get us to sell the game, they haven't tried to get us to say anything, they're just giving... The money so the players and, and, and viewers can enjoy the events, like that's big. So um I think it would have if Microsoft would have a had a different outlook on it, maybe I would have had to make a decision at times on if I would say certain things. But I've never ever felt like Microsoft was gonna pull uh their backing or support with uh me speaking my mind. So um, that's a clear no. Yeah, that's that that would be a no. Definitely. Right. So this one is maybe going to be a bit personal. You ready for this one? Ooh, I'm ready. Yeah, T90. Why you no webcam, man? Why don't <laughs> you stream with a webcam? Um, I I guess I guess it comes down to I'm a, I'm a little more self conscious than people think I am. Um, I I speak a lot. I make jokes. I make fun of myself. I am uh, personable on stream, but. And I got a good cam set up. I've got the background with the salmon and everything. I, I just, <laughs> I don't feel is super, super comfortable um, in front of camera. And that's probably reason number one. Um, reason number two is I, especially in game, see it as a distraction for the most part. Um, I can understand the appeal for player cams if they're, if they're playing on stream because you want to see the reactions. Sometimes it's cool to see their eyes move to the mini-map and elsewhere. Whatever, you know. Um, I think that can be cool. And it also attaches uh, more of a face to the voice. But um, I, I never felt like it was going to enhance my experience and viewers' experience to have the cam on consistently. Um, I will during like my 24-hour streams, which I've done four or five of. Um, I will Tell during me. certain events. But I don't... Like, I don't love to do it, so I, I don't do it a lot. Um, the other thing, and this is kind of how I saw it, I grew up my channel one way. So years and years and years with no face cam. People get used to it. I had to decide on if adding a face cam brings me more benefit. Uh, I didn't think it would bring in more viewers. I, I, you know, it's not going to make that much of a difference. But there's always a chance that maybe 2% of people don't like it, right? Well, like, but there's also the chance that 10% like it. Yes, maybe maybe more people subscribe with Facecam. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> I don't know. But but yeah, I guess it just comes back to not being uh, hugely comfortable with it. Yeah, um, I, I've told myself many times I'm going to do it more. And then I'm just like, why? You know, screw yeah, it. Let's just fair. do everything else. Red Bull YOLO 4. You enjoying it? Who's uh, who's going to win it? Um, Is this going to be uploaded before the conclusion, by the way? Uh, probably, yeah. Okay. Um, it, it's a tough one, man. I, I, I think that I feel Leary or Hera more than Viper. 
Um, but I, at the same time, I feel as though three defeats in a row or three three times in a row Viper not winning a championship. He's going to be pissed. He's, yes, he must it, be it pissed. Is, it's going to rise him to a level that um, that he maybe didn't have previously. Um, but I think that the decision-making, and this, this is just wild that I'm saying these, the consistency in decision-making, when you look at Hera and Leary, specific to Empire Wars, is better than Viper's. Mm-hmm. Viper... To bring That's it a back statement to this, right there. Like, think of the semifinal, obviously different settings, but it, the semifinal between Hera and Viper in Hidden Cup 4, Viper had the greatest peak. No doubt in my mind. He, he had the biggest moments, the craziest plays. He had the greatest peak in that series. But he had two games in that best of seven where he kind of, as some people might say, shit the bed. Uh, was Mongols, stole a boar on Bay, massive feudal age time, somehow lost that game. Uh, and, and so that is something that is haunting Viper right now. And I think that if he isn't a little more consistent, like if he, if he has... Um, if he doesn't improve uh, one game being lost due to a poor decision, like uh, Jordan versus Viper, where Viper went Britain Knights the other day. Like, I don't think that, that winning Red Bull Wolo is possible with the current level if you have a game where you have a complete bad strategy. Yeah, um, that was definitely possible for him just three or four years ago, right? Maybe even just two years ago. He could make mistakes and still win, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so what what do you make of uh, Empire Wars? Uh, will it ever replace Random Map? I think it's a nice change of pace, but I quickly get tired of it. Um, there, there are th- aspects of it that are exciting to me, and there are aspects of it that are unexciting to me. So um, I think Red Bull needs to be careful with the frequency of events. It's very important that good things are are spread out and spaced out. Otherwise, people will tire of them. Um, and I know there will be more Red Bull events, right? So I, I in terms of the settings, I like it in certain ways. Uh, it brings more to the game in certain ways. But it also takes away from the game in other ways, too. So I think that means it's perfect, though, because it's uh, it's not one or the other. You know, it, it really does have its own place in Age of Empires. So it's still going to be RM, the standard game mode for Age of Empires, in your opinion. I, I mean, if I had to choose one or the other, I would choose RM all the way. Um, so, so yes. Yeah. So last question, Age of Empires 4, hyped, not hyped? Dude, there's so much with Age of Empires 2. It's so tough for me to, to focus uh, or even wrap my head around another game coming out and having to, to uh, learn that and produce content for that and things like that. Um, I can't say I'm hugely hyped just because I'm such a big Age of Empires 2 addict. I am not saying that Age of Empires 4 won't be entertaining and won't be good, but I can damn well tell you it's not going to make the Age of Empires 2 fans disappear. Um, there will be a lot more coming with Age of Empires 2. So for that reason, I my, my aspirations, my hopes is that Age of Empires 4 is a good change of pace for the Age 2 people. Um, it would be cool to have maybe multiple events. Like, so cool to have maybe new people coming into Age of Empires 4 and getting good. Uh, and then you have, like, Switching new back. pro versus Age of Empires 2 pro that's come to AB4. That would be ideal. Um, 
but I have my doubts on if it's going to be hugely competitive initially. Mm -hmm. I don't think Microsoft has this big uh, push to make it an eSport like StarCraft or something. I, I don't think that's there. I think it's just going to be like a, a solid overall new RTS game. Um, but it's come to a good time for me. I think that it, it'll be a good change of pace. I think viewers have uh, in many ways kind of become a little exhausted with Age of Empires 2 after the last year and a half flurry of nonstop stuff. So I think it'll be good for, for the scene overall. Tristan, thank you so much for your time, man. This, this, this was really fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me.